All right, we're going to get right into God's Word today. We have a lot to cover. Um, we're going to go to 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 3 and 4. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, our scripture reading from today. The Bible says, Knowing this first, there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Our message this Sabbath, continuing in our series on apologetics, is the second coming, why the delay? Why the delay? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. We thank you, Father God, uh, for your goodness. Once again, Lord, I just pray that you make me a nail on the wall, a rusty, sorry nail, Lord, but upon that nail I ask that you hang a portrait of Jesus Christ. Today, Lord, more than ever, we need to see you. So, Father God, fill this place now with your love, with your spirit, and with your words. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to start um, by talking today about the, the, the apostle Peter. You would remember Peter was a fisherman. And there's some hint in the scripture that he was not the most sophisticated guy. He was clearly quite ambitious and was always trying to impress Jesus. And spent a whole lot of time always doing that. He's probably most famous for failing Christ by denying that he knew him as Christ was being persecuted and tortured in the Sanhedrin and by the Sanhedrin. But the Bible tells us that Peter makes a turnaround. He leaves from there when he, after the cock crows and he leaves and he goes and he, the Bible says he goes back and he weeps bitterly. We are told that he goes back to the very Gethsemane where Christ had told him to pray and he had fallen asleep. Now Peter, as Jesus is about to face Calvary, is weeping and crying. And, uh, and, and it is, there's a transformation in Peter. In fact, as we'll read later on, when Jesus resurrected, sees Peter he asked Peter three times if he loves him. One for each time he denied him. And he, you can see that Peter is now a humble guy. He was not bragging about how he would die with him. He just simply says, Lord, you know, I love you. And Jesus says to Peter, then feed my sheep. Paul after his conversion, goes to speak and to witness and minister to the Gentiles, Peter more so labors with the Jews. Although, based on the, the, the vision he's given in the book of Acts of the unclean animals, we know that he also preached the Gentiles. We want to fast forward in the story to the end of these two men's lives, somewhere around AD 64 to 68, during the time Nero is emperor of Rome. Both of them are arrested. Both of them will be put to death. Both of them write a last letter. Paul's last letter is 2 Timothy. 
If you want to see how Paul describes the conditions of the world and his advice to those of us, especially the youth who will be alive when Jesus comes, study the book 2 Timothy. Peter also writes one last letter, and that is the book of 2 Peter, where we just read the verse from. And in that book, Peter is really uh, encouraging the believers, but he gives stark warning to them as well. You see, the believers at that time had begun to run out of patience. It wasn't long after the birth of the new church, a persecution began to fall heavily upon the people of God. This is John Leon Jerome's 1883 portrait, The Christian Martyr's Last Prayer. Christians were slaughtered. They were brought into coliseums. They were set ablaze. Nero used them as torches. Animals ripped them apart. Gladiators made sport of them, all while crowds jeered and laughed. Horrible lies were told about Christians. Because of the teaching in the scripture that we, when we take communion, we eat the body of Christ and drink his blood, the rumor was spread that Christians were cannibals. Because Christians were told to call each other brothers and sisters and the church worked like a family, they said that the church um, uh, uh, participated in, in um, uh, unlawful relations between uh, relatives. Christians were told to be baby snatchers and all kinds of things. And, and this uh, constant barrage of attacks caused the Christians to have to hide and run. And the great hope those early Christians had was that Jesus was going to come back quickly and rescue them from their plight. The persecution under Nero was fierce. So in Matthew 24 and verse 9, Jesus says, Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. The Romans had a lot of reasons they hated them. One, they believed that if you didn't worship the Roman gods, favor wouldn't come upon the entire nation. So anybody who departed from that was in trouble. They refused when Caesar made the announcement that he was to be worshipped, the Christians would not worship Caesar. They were hated uh, uh, because they had to hide to worship and the pagans of Rome felt that anyone who hid their worship was obviously up to something nefarious. They were a hated bunch and Nero was a wicked, wicked man. Many in history say that it was Nero who burned down Rome, but he blamed it on the Christians. And that is when he went and arrested Paul and Peter threw them into dungeons. Paul had some protection. He was a Roman citizen, so they had to treat Paul with some dignity. Peter, however, was a foreigner. He could be tortured and abused in ways even Paul was not. We are given a hint as to how Peter would die. John chapter 21 and verse 18 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, when you were young, Peter, you girded yourself and walked where you would. And when you, when you will be old, you will stretch forth your hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Look at verse 19. This spake he, this is Jesus speaking to Peter, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken thus, he said unto him, follow me. There are many who say that where it says here, 
that you will stretch forth your hand speaks to the manner in which Peter would die. And that is, Peter would, would not um, allow himself to be crucified as Christ was. So Peter was crucified upside down. In Fox's Book of Martyrs, um, John Fox uh, relied on Jerome's account, he says. Jerome said that he was crucified, his head being down and his feet upward, himself so requiring because he was, he said, Peter said, unworthy to be crucified after the same form and manner as the Lord was. Peter is a great story in the Bible. Peter failed God miserably. He denied Jesus publicly. He was more ambitious. He was more concerned with being the vice president in the kingdom of God than being a servant in it. Yet in the end, Peter dies a martyr's death and leaves for us a legacy of how one, God can change even the most difficult heart. So Peter, knowing what would come upon the church, began to give them great warning. In the last book he would write, a letter he wrote, 2 Peter chapter 3, I'll read it again, 3 and 4, so that you understand now better the context of these verses. Peter was speaking to a church that was tired of persecution. They were weary of the world. There was no hope in sight for them. And Peter says to them, warning, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. Peter says, you are going to be laughed at and ridiculed for believing that Jesus is going to return. And they're going to say, and when I read this, I realize that if you put this in modern terms into our church, these are church members speaking. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Church, we live in a time when folk no longer believe that Jesus is soon to return. In fact, there are many who don't believe Jesus is returning at all. We live in a time when church folk, and we are, when we, while we were in Bermuda, we were having a conversation with a, a lady who was a former Adventist, and, and uh, we asked blatantly, just clearly, do you believe, based on the signs being fulfilled around us, that Jesus is soon to return? She said, yes, I believe he will return, but not anytime soon. Church, the great hope that we have is the second coming of Jesus. When I look at the condition of this world, it's hatred, it's barbarism, it's lack of love, the self-destruction. I sit and I pray and I ask God, even so come Lord Jesus. Because if you're in this world and it is a, a completely pleasant experience, you are spiritually blind. It is the torture, the pain, the horrors of this world that perpetually and constantly remind us that Jesus is going to return and that this earth is not our home. So, what are our questions for today? Well, talking about this delay, number one, will Jesus' return be visible? Or will it be a secret rapture? That is what a lot of people believe, that Jesus is going to come and snatch people off the earth and you're going to look around and folk just going to be gone. 
You're gonna be in the line at the grocery store and the teller just gonna disappear. You're gonna have to figure out what to do with your groceries. Number two, have signs been fulfilled as to the nearness of his return? Third question for today, why has Christ delayed his return for 2,000 plus years? It's a critical question a Christian must be able to answer. We won't really get to number four, but I'm gonna throw it up there anyway. What do I need to do to be ready for Christ's return? That's the most important question. So, first question, will Jesus return and will it be a visible, will it be visible or will it be a secret? So, the reason this comes up is there are these two great authors, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins, who sold between the two of them over, they're author, co-authors of the Left Behind series of books and sold over 80 million copies. That is a staggering number of books in a country where a whole lot of people don't read books. So it wasn't enough that they made these books, they actually made Hollywood movies. And you can see on the left, I forget, I think his name is Kirk Cameron and Nicolas Cage, a major Hollywood actor on the right, they made actual movies out of this. So what do these movies teach and why are so many confused about the second coming? Here it is. Um, this is when uh, Tim LaHaye died, at, in, I think in 2016 at 90 years of age. This is what they wrote about him. I think this is from the New York Times. The, Revel the Reverend Tim LaHaye, co-author of the Left Behind series, a multi-million selling literary juggernaut that brought end-time prophecies into mainstream bookstores, died Monday. He was 90. Co-authored with Jerry Jenkins, the 16-volume Left Behind series novels, published by Tyndale House Publishers, sold more than 80 million copies. That's staggering. Worldwide. Moore said and popularized, here's what's key, Moore said and popularized a Bible interpretation that said born-again Christians will be instantly taken to God in the rapture while those left behind on earth endure seven years of tribulation. Now why is this such a dastardly deception? There's a few reasons. One, if I had time, I would actually break down the origins of this. It comes from uh, Jesuit scholars who came up with a way to actually avoid much of the prophecies we teach and believe as a church. They took the last seven years of the 490-year prophecy that actually applies to the, to the anointing and the crucifixion of Christ, the stoning of Stephen, and move it way out. So that's one part of the deception. But the other part of it is they say that if you are not secretly raptured away and you're left on earth, you get another chance. Right? So if you missed the bus the first time it came around, just stay at the bus stop. The bu another bus will come. But this is not biblical church. And there are many Christians in America who have bought this lie and believe that if you just, if you miss it the first time, uh, just Wait for the tribulation and you'll be saved. Remember we talked about hell, we talked about purgatory. What they did is they moved purgatory from being a place to being a time. Don't miss this church. In other words, Satan wants you to believe that if you don't get it right in this life, you'll get another chance like reincarnation and like so many other beliefs. It is a diabolical deception because the Bible says that when Jesus is done with his work in the most holy place of the heavenly sanctuary, he will declare he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. There will be no do-overs, no second chances. No mulligans. 
Either you are right with God at the time appointed or you will not get another chance. That is why every moment we have now is critical. So what does the Bible say? Does the Bible say that Jesus is going to come back secretly? It says he's going to come back as a thief. Some people say, well, thieves sneak. But that's not what that is speaking to. Look at what the Bible says. Here's Acts chapter 1, uh, verses 6, verses 6 through 8. It says, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him. This is after the a resurrection. This is just before the ascension. When they therefore come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom of it to Israel? So they, they were still stuck on Jesus restoring Israel. But here's what he says. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Verse 8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That prophecy was fulfilled. If you want to see how far Christianity spread, read, look at the YouTube videos of how the Chinese characters the, the, the letters that they use, they're not really letters, the Chinese characters for their language are, all have these powerful ties back to Christianity. Look deep into Africa, parts of Africa where Christianity was preserved, where the Bible um, uh, was taught, and all across Europe and around the world this gospel was spread. But the Bible goes on, Acts chapter 1 verse 9 and through 11 says, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received them out of their what? Out of their sight. So he's taken up in a cloud, and they all see him go up. Verse 10. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. These are what? These are angels. And the angels say to the, to the, to the onlooking crowd of hundreds of people, they say, which also said, ye men of Galilee... Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Did he go up secretly? Will he come back secretly? Not according to the angel. Look what Revelation says. Revelation 1 and verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. How many people are going to see him when he comes? Some people say that's, you know, physically impossible. The world is a sphere. It doesn't say they're going to see him all at once, but they are all going to see him. God will work that miracle, but every eye is going to see him when he returns. It will not be a secret. Even those who pierced him, the Bible says, are going to see him. Matthew 24 and verse 27 says it like this. For as the lightning cometh out of the, of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Luke says it like this. Luke 21, 23. And they shall say to you, see here or see there. Go not after them nor follow them. When they tell you he's coming secretly, don't believe them. Why? Because verse 24 gives you the answer. For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part under heaven shines unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. When lightning flashes, can you see it? I never heard of secret lightning. When I, you, I see lightning, you get out of the pool. That's what they told me as a little kid. 
Go inside. Don't stand next to a flagpole. Lightning is visible. When Jesus comes, it will be like a shock across the sky. Every eye will see him. But they want to deceive. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 8. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. The wicked, the wicked living, will be stricken down. When they see the brightness of his coming, they will cry unto the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that comes. Whereas we who have been saved, when we see Jesus coming in the clouds, we will rejoice. Matthew 24 and verse 30 says it like this, and then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. Doesn't sound like a secret to me. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. It is not a secret. Jesus is about to return and we are going to see it. Let me tell you something. I want to be one of the ones who can see it without having any worry. I want when he comes that I'm jumping up and down in celebration and gladness. Not running to hide my face. Huh, all right. Well, we know he's coming soon. But what are the signs? We know he's coming visible. Let's look at the signs. The second question. Have signs been fulfilled as to the nearness of his return? Have we seen signs? And here's the crux. This is one of the most important parts of this. Have we seen signs or are we delusional as Adventists? You know, that it's literally in our name. We are Seventh-day Adventists. Adventist means we are looking for his second coming. Luke 21. Then, in verse 10, then said he unto them, nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Has that happened? It has. Great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines, and pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. And there shall be signs, verse 25 says, in the sun, and in the moon, and the stars, and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea, and the waves roaring. There will be signs everywhere. Luke 21 and verse 28 says it like this, and when these things begin to come to pass, then do what? Look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. In other words, when we see these prophecies being fulfilled, it is time for us not to panic, but to be encouraged. We can look up because now our redemption draws nigh. Our time on this terrible earth is coming to a close. Let's quickly look at some of these prophecies. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 6, echoing and paralleling Luke 10, 21 says, And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. That's the first thing. So you, there's going to be a time of warfare that would hit the earth, Jesus prophesies. But when that time happens, it is not the very end of time. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. And here Jesus lays out for you some of the things to look for. Now, it can't just be what always happened in the earth. There's got to be something different at the end of time for each one of these things. Amen? So watch this. Well, there was never a century like the last century when it comes to war. 
When you think about World War I, World War II, and the Cold War, many of the wars for liberation, civil wars, the last century was a deadly century of war that was, it could never have happened any other time in Earth's history, right? It, you know, if you, you know, everybody's talking about like the, the movie Top Gun. We have ships that sail the oceans and carry warplanes on them. It was inconceivable when Jesus was, was, was giving these prophecies. Nuclear weapons that can be shot around the world. We have enough nuclear ammunition on this planet to destroy the world hundreds of times, some say. It doesn't even make any sense. When the Bible says that there would be a time of war, that time of war has come, and we have seen that time of war. That prophecy has been fulfilled in the Second World War, the First World War, and all of what happened during the Cold War. Even the wars that happen now really don't match the wars that happened then. The other thing, when you say nation shall rise against nation, you hear me say this all the time, the Greek word for nation is the word ethnos. And it means the word from which we get ethnicity. Jesus predicts that as we come towards the end of time, there would not be better relation between different groups of people. It would actually get worse. Has it gotten worse? I would say absolutely. Ironically, with all of the all of the all of the um, um, intellect and and progressiveness of our society, the 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 the, the, the pulling apart of different groups of people, not just in the United States. I mean, when you look at the Holocaust, um, when I was in Israel studying, the, my, my, my Jewish teacher said that the, the German Jews were the most assimilated Jews in Europe. And yet they were the ones who you know, the, the Holocaust came against. You look at the Rwandan genocide. There were two tribes that most people could never even tell apart. They couldn't even tell each other apart. They had to look at each other's names to try and figure out which tribe people were in. Jesus was warning us that Satan is going to make it so that we are live in a society where people think that what it's all about is their background. What country you came from, what tribe you came from, that patriotism and nationalism and racial uh, pride is going to begin to pull people apart. That prophecy, church, has been fulfilled. What about pestilence? Disease. I wish I had time as a doctor to go into this one, but I, you all know that we've, we've just seen an unprecedented, um, and still are seeing an unprecedented pandemic and its response. That's a pestilence. But that's not the only one. In fact, there are things that, in my opinion, are more worrisome. Ebola is far more deadly. And every now and then you hear about an Ebola outbreak, even outside of where people think it should happen. That picture at the bottom in the middle there is, is a picture of a new disease. Well, it's not a new disease, but a new outbreak of an old disease called monkeypox. Have you guys heard about this? Right now in the United States, and that's a, that's a disease that is related to smallpox that is now spreading all around the world again. Jesus warned there would be pestilence. And, be, and it's interesting. Again, it could not have happened like this in the time of Jesus. Yes, the Romans traveled all over the place, but they traveled very slowly. Because you can get on a plane today on one continent and land 12 hours later on another one, diseases can jump the globe like this. Pestilence in the last days will continue to happen. He said earthquakes in diverse places. This I've shown you this before. This is the graph from the... Um, um, the National Geo Ge Geological Survey showing you how the increase 
in, in earthquakes that are of a magnitude six and eight that were deadly. You notice that, again, this is not, this is, this is not a Christian uh, organization giving you this data. This is a secular organization saying, yes, something has changed. There are more earthquakes happening. Even when you look at shorter periods of time, it's over 10 years. There's, a, there's an increase in earthquakes. This is as the spirit of God is being removed from the earth. We are warned that the earth is going to rock and reel like a woman in labor. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. One of the one of the prophecies, we'll come back to it, that Jesus gives that you can gloss over quickly is that there will be a rise in iniquity. Iniquity is sin that people hold on to and cherish and are unrepentant of. That kind of sin, blatant rebellious sin is going to rise and because of this, men's hearts will become cold. They will become uncaring. They will become unkind. Well, Matthew 24 and verse 37 makes it clear. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Right? Did you get that? So we often focus on the part where it says, and they were, you know, they were marrying and giving in marriage until the flood came and took them away. But I always look a little deeper. If it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah, what was it like in Noah's day? Genesis 6 tells us this. Verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only what? Evil continually. That's the way the world will be at the end. Verse 11. The earth also was corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with what? With violence. One of the telltale signs, if, the, if, if in the last days it's going to be like the days of Noah, is that men's thoughts will only be evil continually and that man will become increasingly violent. And again, it won't be like before. This is just nonsensical, tyr tyrannical violence. And we have seen it. We can see, you can see from the graph over time, and this is going only to 2018, there's a trend upward in these mass shootings. Some say, well, it's just copycats. People say it's mental health. There are other mental health professionals who are warning that you not um, stigmatize people with mental health issues as if all mental health people are capable of this. I was on a talk, a professional talk this week with someone who I know is not religious or spiritual and I had to finally, as we were discussing this, I had to finally say, what you don't understand is that there is pure evil in this world that is illogical, that cannot be deciphered, diagnosed, and without the blood of the lamb cannot be treated. So we're seeing it. Here's the New York Times again and again. The Tulsa mass shooting wasn't as deadly as some feared. Instead, it was yet another American tragedy. So here's the irony. We are worried about the war in Europe, and we're worried about what's going on in um, less uh, affluent countries of the world. Listen, we live in a country where it's like a war zone, too. I'm not going anywhere where there's crowds. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Like, you now have to be careful. They, you know, we have uh, uh, active shooter drills as part of your orientation when you get a job now. I don't know if they do it here in New England, but in California, the conference, 
actually had to had us take a divine service and have the police come and we had to do an active shooting drill in church during divine service. And it, here's the scariest part is that these things, that, that when those shootings happened in Buffalo, which really was just a sinister evil, going sh shot up mostly senior citizens uh, in, a, in a grocery store. They say it was racially motivated. And I said, listen, Satan is going to give every one of these people a different reason to do what they do. But we wrestle not against flesh and blood. If you don't recognize that what is happening in America is a spiritual failing, you will miss the way that America could deal with it. And America is going to miss that, that truth. Again and again. Here's one other one. It's 21 weeks into the year and America has already seen 213 mass shootings. But you probably haven't heard about all of these mass shootings, have you? Because we have become so... Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, numb to what's going on in the world that literally you could have a shootout in south side of Chicago where five people are killed it doesn't even make the news I was talking to a law enforcement uh, a person this week um, uh, that works in Hartford and they were saying that there are shootings all the time they don't make they don't even make the news anymore it's not even newsworthy that shooting in Buffalo was was was, was um, seemed to be um, overshadowed by Will Smith um, slapping Chris Rock. People were more concerned with that than the fact that 10 people were gunned down in a grocery store. The love of many church is going to wax cold. And let me, let me say it like this. If you refuse to see the prophecies being fulfilled by the diligent study of scripture, because you were raised or you know this Advent truth, it will be shown to you on the covers of magazines, on the news feeds that come into your phone, on the cable news cycles, even if you don't want to believe the Bible, you will see the prophecies fulfilled all around you. There's no way out of it. The prophecies are being fulfilled. The signs, the answer to questions, the signs have been fulfilled. There's not much left that needs to happen for Jesus to return. And the spirit of prophecy tells us that the last events will be rapid ones. Another sign of the end is the rise in immorality. This is what Paul, in his last letter to the church says, he says, This know also that in the last days, 2 Timothy 3.1, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their what? Lovers of their own selves. Be covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Let me read that one again. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. They'll be trady, traitors, heady, high-minded. They will be lovers of pleasures more than what? More than lovers of God. They want the party to be lit, but they don't want to show their light. They want to, to, to go out and live the best life and, and do their thing and live la vida loca and all this kind of stuff. But they don't want to serve the living God. Even in our own church, how many are ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? But they're proud to boast 
on social media, all the fun that they're having. Verse 5, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Paul says, from such do what? Turn away. He warns that morally in the last days, there are going to be those who have the form of godliness. They're going to come across as if they're so, uh, so um, righteous that, they, that they're solving the world's problems. But it will be an empty version of righteousness. They will have a form of godliness, but they will deny the power thereof. What is the power that creates righteousness? It is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It is submission to the word of God. It is a loving relationship with Christ. Paul warns in the last days, there are going to be people doing all kinds of good things, saving all the animals and saving the planet and saving all kinds of people and fighting for all kinds of things. But deep inside, their character will not reflect the character of Christ. Paul warns, is this happening? Absolutely. There has been a fallen morale. I could have put up a whole bunch of slides here. I said, I'm just going to throw you one good example. This is the rise in sexually transmitted infections in the United States. And you can see, starting where and where it ends up, year over year, the Centers for Disease Control is baffled at the staggering increase in sexually transmitted infections. I've told you before, we've had to double the dose of rocephin, the antibiotic we use to treat gonorrhea, because the old dose doesn't work. And as the, as the bacteria becomes resistant to rocephin, there are fears in the infectious disease community of what are we going to do when we run out of antibiotics to treat gonorrhea. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You see, the world wants to teach you that there's no consequence to sin. You can do whatever you want. Like the old song said, it's your thing. Do what you want to do. But there are consequences. There are tangible, palpable ways to see that the world that lives in rebellion against God pays a high price. We're seeing this. We got, we, we, syphilis is back. Nobody had syphilis 20 years ago. Syphilis was fading away. The number of babies born with congenital syphilis is now back up. But one of the other telltale signs of Jesus' soon return is the rise in spiritualism. This thing has gotten big. Right now, the fastest growing religion in the United States, the last I checked, is Wicca and witchcraft. Wicca and witchcraft is popular. And you can see from books like Harry Potter and shows like The Witcher, I've never watched any of these movies. Uh, I, I, just, I know that this one, The Witcher, was a big Netflix thing. Spiritualism has grown, and it is especially um, enticed young people in a way to be rebellious against God and society spiritualism is what has filled the void and this is real people are leaving black churches now going back to animistic religions that they say their ancestors practiced in Africa people of European descent are going back to the pagan religions of Europe leaving the church this was all prophesied that this would happen. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, in verse 24, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Jesus says, Behold, I have told you before. There's going to be a rise. And let me, let me make this plain. It's not just that this 
belief system comes up is that there are going to be miraculous manifestations because of it. And this is what is going to make it so deceptive. Right now, there are people putting spells out there on other people. My family is from Jamaica, and so in Jamaica, they have this thing called obia. Obia is some serious stuff. And there's, you know, people who practice obia, and, and it's a form of like voodoo, you could say, but or santaria is probably closely related to it. Um, but the bottom line is it, is, it is far more common than you realize because it creeps in. And what's most frightening is one of my friends was a pastor in Jersey, and he had a group not from Jamaica, but from one of the other uh, West Indian uh, countries. And they were in the Adventist church and practicing their obia at the same time. They were in church putting, what do they say in black people, say, putting roots on people. In church, so much so that they were, eventually my friend was telling me how he had to deal with demon possession in one of our churches. One of the signs of the end is going to be this rise in spiritualism. I'm telling you, Satan is not holding back. I was going to show you this thing from the Temple of Satan up in Massachusetts where they have a video about an after-school program for Satanists. The, it's the Satanist, Satan's after-school club. As a, I, could send, I could send you the video. It's unbelievable. And of course, they say that they want the, Satan to teach the kids all this stuff. And then in the middle of the video, they say, but there's really no Satan. So why you call it Satan's club? Revelation 16 says it like this, in verse 13, and I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. We know that those three unclean spirits that come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet are apostate Protestantism, Catholicism, and spiritualism. And the more I study this thing, I'm realizing that the three are tied together in ways I didn't realize. And it hinges on something we talked about before. If you believe that when you die, you're not really dead, the door is always open for spiritualism. So what is the, what is, what is the secular world saying about this? This is USA Today newspaper. We are in the middle of a witch moment. Hip witchcraft is on the rise in the United States. Not deep. I've told you this before when, when I was preaching in London and the pastor said that for every Christian pastor in London, England, there are 30 witches. That was scary enough. Then the man said, and every weekend they pray all night for the destruction of Christian churches. They work all night tirelessly for the destruction of Christian churches. That's why we have to be a praying church. We are in the middle of spiritual warfare. Let me take me and let me put in a commercial plug right now. Come to prayer meeting on Wednesday night. We need to be a church that shows up and prays together, that prays for God to defend, for, for, for the angels of God to protect, for our heads to be put around us, because you don't realize how much the enemy wants to take you out. This is another one. I forget which, art, which magazine this one is from. It says, the United States witch population has seen an astronomical rise. Signs of the time fulfilled. 
not just there. Hollywood jumps into the act. The movie on the bottom left, The Day After Tomorrow. The other one is 2012, right? They're trying to convince the world that, you know, that there's an Armageddon. Of course, it's not an Armageddon for the reasons we say. That the environment is going to you know, cause the world, you know, environmental catastrophe is going to happen and cause the world to come to an end. So they, they do this. And then, of course, 2012, nothing happens. People think, ah, you know, they're just going to keep saying this. Nothing really is changing. Jude says it like this. Jude 1, verse 17 through 19. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. We are warned. And let me tell you this, if you are a Christian, you've got to ask God now for thick skin. As time goes on, as it is already, you've already seen it. If you go back to the 1950s, and you were said you were a Christian and you believe Jesus was coming soon, in society you probably wouldn't be laughed at. I challenge you to stand up among most of your colleagues wherever you work and say that now. Most of us would be ridiculed. Most of us, they won't, they'll think you're crazy. A shift has happened. There will be mockers. And let me tell you something, church. You can't get ready for persecution when persecution starts. You've got to get ready for persecution now. This is why. Don't miss this, church. God has sent some of us into times of difficulty and trial in our personal lives. This is why we've had the challenges we have. Each one of them is an opportunity for God to purify our character and make us more like Jesus, thickening our spiritual skin for what is about to come on the earth. Which leads us to the last question we'll get to today. Why has Christ delayed his return. Why has Christ delayed his return? We're studying the book of Ezekiel at home, and I wanted to read what Ezekiel told the people of his time in the exile um, about um, whether or not Jerusalem would be restored. They kept believing that Jerusalem would not be destroyed, that it was, you know, that there's no destruction coming to Jerusalem, um, that God is going to deliver them. And just like today, people are saying Jesus is not going to return. They believe nothing bad was going to happen to Jerusalem and to, it, and to Judah. Ezekiel 12, 21, and the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, what is that proverb that ye have in the land of Israel saying? The days are prolonged and every vision fails. You see that? They were saying, listen, the days are prolonged. The prophecies fail. I hear Adventists say that. Tell them, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I will make this proverb to cease. And they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel. But say unto them, the days are at hand and the effect of every vision. For there shall be no more any vision nor flattering divination within the house of Israel. For I am the Lord. I will speak and the word that I shall speak shall come to pass. It shall be no more prolonged, for in your days, O rebellious house, will I say the word and will perform it, saith the Lord God. Yes, it seems like he's delaying. Yes, it seems like he won't come. It seemed to them like Jerusalem would last forever, but God at some point finally steps up and says, enough is enough. How long do you think God is going to look on as people are shooting up innocent people in schools and grocery stores? At some point, God is going to say the violence, the wickedness, the hatred, the sin has reached a level where uh, 
probation will close and God is going to step in and put this messy earth to an end. Ezekiel says, and again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, for son of man, behold, they of the house of Israel say, the vision that he sees is for many days to come and the prophecy, and he prophesieth of the times that are far off. They said, listen, yeah, Ezekiel seeing these visions, ah, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. Just like people say now, ah, Jesus won't come anytime soon. Look at what God says. Therefore say unto them, Ezekiel 12, 28, thus saith the Lord God, there shall none of my words be prolonged anymore. But the word which I have spoken shall be done, saith the Lord God. Church, my pleading today is this. Get the fact that God is getting to a point where he will prolong no more. You see, there's like two lines the way I see it prophetically. There's this line, as we're going to talk about, but there's a line of wickedness. And when that wickedness reaches a certain point, God says, listen, in mercy and in grace, I've got to step in and stop this because I didn't create man to live in such a mess. But there's another line. I'll talk to that in a second. Here's one um, from, um, this is, I think this was from, uh, I forget which journal this is from, but it says, is the apocalypse coming? No, it isn't. That's from September 2017. They mock, oh, there's no apocalypse coming. They mock Jesus. Look at this, the one of them put um, Ronald McDonald on a cross to mock Jesus. The other one is the, is the I talk about all the time, Bill Maher, the famous comedian in his documentary, Religious. We, we're told that they're going to mock us, church. And this, the documentary religionless is basically religion is ridiculous. Here's what Peter says. Going back to Peter, just before he dies, before he is martyred, this is what Peter says. Knowing this first, there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed by water perished. He says, listen, they say that all things happened as it was from creation, but there was a flood, and the world was washed away. Verse 7, but the heavens and the earth which are now, this heaven and this earth, by the same word are kept in store. They're reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Peter says, yes, they are mocking, but the first time they mocked that a flood would come and it came and washed them away. He says, this time the world is reserved for fire. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. that One day with the Lord is as a thousand years. And a thousand years as one day. Verse 9 is critical, church. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. He's long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but what? But that all should come to repentance. Why the delay? Why the delay? Well, the first two answers Peter gives us. Number one. God's understanding of time is not our understanding. As I was studying this, one of the things that kept coming to me as I was reading different authors is that when you die, you are unconscious. That's why the, the doctrine that you sleep when you die and you're in an unconscious state is so important. When Paul and Peter died, they're not in the grave rolling around waiting for Jesus to come. They're not in purgatory. They're not in heaven. 
they're unconscious. That when, when Peter died, the next time he opens his eyes, well, it be as if no time passed. And guess what? Jesus will be returning. From that regard, Jesus has come in every generation. Number two, he is not willing that any should perish. And this is one of the most reassuring things about the second coming. Jesus has delayed his return to save as many as he possibly can. So there's that one line of wickedness that is building up where it reaches a point where God says, I got to do something. But there's another line where God is trying to save as many as he can. And when he reaches the point where as many as possible can be saved, he will come. Because he's not willing that any should perish. Second Peter 3 and verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in the which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise and the element shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? The Bible says that everything is going to melt. No matter how hard they're working for the NBA championship in the finals this year, they're all going to get a ring. And guess what's going to happen to that ring one day? It's going to melt. You see, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, he says, they do what they do. They're temperate. They fight hard to obtain a corruptible crown. But what kind of crown are we fighting for? An incorruptible one. I want you to know that I'm not concerned that I don't have a Super Bowl ring or a national championship or an NBA finals. Not, not have any of that hardware. But guess what? One day, my Jesus is going to place a crown on my head. That's the only hardware I want. Because that hardware won't melt. It won't go anywhere. In 10,000 years, I'll be able to walk in my mansion in heaven. I'll be able to walk by my trophy case and look at my crown and polish it on up and keep on walking. Time to go to go to the New Jerusalem on Sabbath. I'm going to put on my crown and ride my chariot. Not worried that I don't have the stuff the world has. I want what God has for me. So what is that third reason? If you go back here, seeing then all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? God allows a delay to purify the church. It is a test that we must deal with this delay. 2 Peter 3, 12 and 13 says this, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God. Look at this. When Jesus comes, wherein the heavens being on fire, shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat nevertheless we according to his promise look for what new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness listen if you've lived in pain in this life your hope should be in the new heaven and the new earth and part of that delay is so that we can participate in the harvest looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God. God is delayed so that when you get to heaven, you don't just get a crown. By reaching others for Christ, stars go in your crown. 2 Peter 3, 14, 15 says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace. How are you to be found? Without spot and blameless. The character of Christ an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is what? 
salvation. If Jesus didn't delay, what hope would any of us have? Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And for this cause, God, 2 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12, this is what the world is going to suffer. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But last question, what do you need to do now? Matthew 25 and verse 13 answers, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Church, you should be watching. The Bible says that you should be sober. In fact, the, the text says be sober and be vigilant. For your adversary the devil, like a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. His deceptions are strong, church. He's looking to snatch from out of God's hand as many as he can. Now, he can't, he can't take, them out, take us out of God's hand, but we can jump out of God's hand. I challenge you to take your walk with God seriously. Jesus is soon to return. The signs have been fulfilled. He's only delaying in mercy. Do not take his mercy for a joke. Don't think that there's something on earth so important that it is more valuable than what God has for you. Jesus said, for what would a man give in exchange for his soul. Church, I want to be ready when Jesus comes. That means the time to get ready is now. Every minute we have, every day we live, all that time is given in mercy that we would be without spot and blameless when Christ returns. The reason that, the, that when Jesus returns, the righteous don't run is because we have his character and he's looking for us. Pray for the Holy Spirit to work for the purification of character because Jesus is about to return. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. We pray, Father, now that we would put off the sins that so easily beset us. Father God, addiction, bad habit, all of the traits of character that, that spoil us, that rotten us. Father God, now the Holy Spirit would work to purify and develop us. Lord, help us to turn our eyes to Jesus. For by beholding him, we will become changed. Bless your church, Lord, that we not take this thing for granted, the opportunity we have at salvation. Lord, let us all be serious in following you. This is our prayer in Jesus' precious and holy name. For the church say amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.com dot org.